0: Turn to Philippians chapter four. We're gonna gonna read from verse four to verse seven. If you don't have your Bibles here, we have them in the back if you need a Bible, but they're also, this will be on the screen. We're gonna read Philippians four, verse four through seven. This is Paul writing from house prison, house arrest in Rome, most likely, to the Philippian church. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we would ask that your word would be living and active tonight. Lord, that it would penetrate into the deepest places of our hearts and bring transformation. We thank you, God, that your word carries Power. You spoke, and the cosmos was created. We would ask that you would speak in this place tonight and bring transformative power to bear upon us, your people. Transform us into your image. We pray tonight, oh God, in the name of Jesus, if you, if you just agree with that, I just want you to put your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, speak to me. I'm listening. I'm listening. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that you are here. And we say, come. Let redemption draw near tonight, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Jesus is here. Hallelujah. I think I've got two weeks left on this dynamic paradox series we've been walking through. How many of you just want to be super flattering? How many of you have just been so blessed by this sermon series? You've just found it revelatory and transformative. Come on. we got this beautiful picture. Isn't Jody so blessed, so, so gifted? If you look deeply, maybe we should send that out on the email this week. You should just, you could look at that for like an hour and just, uh, that is a, a, it's an artistic depiction of what I'm going to talk about tonight. We talked about suffering well the last time I was here. Hey, how about, before I do it, Pastor Justin's word two weeks ago, who was so blessed and convicted by that? I told him, I just felt like, I just... That was such a deep word. The more I've, I've, I've spent multiple times thinking and pondering and meditating upon what he released. And I haven't gotten to tune in yet, but Riley, I heard, brought a word last week. Yeah, little bro. Little bro is catching up with big bro. You know what I mean? Lord, slow him down in Jesus' name. But uh, uh, I talked about a few weeks back, suffering well, and tonight I'm going to flip the paradox. We're going to talk about joy. And this is the statement that we've crafted, and I'm going to read this as, as kind of the introduction. This is, uh, captures the paradox of the Christian life, of the, of the life of the disciple, that we're called to both suffer, suffering and joy. And so here, here's what we had written. It says, in this life, to love is to suffer, Our sin-sick planet is full of agony, trauma, and fear. People are dead in their sins, addicted and dying. This world is full of pain. Our God is full of compassion, the uncontrollable desire to alleviate suffering. Jesus so loved that he came to suffer with us. He was a wounded healer and now calls us to follow in his footsteps, taking up our cross, and love in the same manner. As Christians, we are promised trial and suffering throughout our lives. We are also given the promise of His presence, in which lies fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord is what strengthens us to endure and prosper through every season. It outweighs and outlasts the very worst of human suffering and energizes us to continually press on toward the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. We are given joy in the midst of every circumstance because Jesus is joy and he has promised to never leave our side. We, above all people, are called to abound in joy. Only like five of you have joy. I'm hoping we all do. Yeah. So, this is my title for tonight Peace and Joy in Every Circumstance. I'm gonna gonna introduce this real quick, and then we're really just gonna dive into the text from Philippians 4 tonight. I'm talking about peace because peace and joy are running partners. You know, when you see running partners, you never see one without the other. You know what I'm talking about? When you got a running buddy, I trained for a marathon number of years ago. I had a running partner. We just were always, I never ran without my running partner. Peace and joy are running partners. They always go together. This is Spurgeon talking about the, he says, what is God's peace? It's the unruffled serenity of the infinitely happy God, the eternal composure of the absolutely well-contented one. I love that. This is John Piper. So joy is a good feeling in the heart that is based on a much wider range of good things than peace is. But peace and joy are so interwoven that there could be no true heart experience of Christian joy without the heart experience of Christian peace. And there could be no true heart experience of Christian peace without that being a heart experience of Christian joy. So they're running buddies. They go together. And you signed in the scriptures that peace and joy are often very close together because they run together. And if you really ponder joy, you can't really have joy if you don't have peace. And if you really ponder peace, you're quite happy whenever you're in a place of peace. Can I get an amen? So I'm going to talk about peace and joy tonight. Peace and joy in every circumstance out of Philippians 4, verse 7. So let's just, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to just have them open. And we're just going to jump into the text and let the Lord hopefully bring some revelation to us and let Paul pastor us tonight into what does it look like to be a person that cultivates peace and joy in every circumstance. All right, we are, are going to suffer. Who has suffered? Who is suffering right now? This season of life. It's a promise, but joy is too. In his presence is fullness of joy. And where is he? By our side. Come on. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say, exclamation point, rejoice. It's the, it's the only one that got that. Rejoice is joy in verb form. I love this. I love that this is what Paul he he puts joy into verb form. I also love that he's writing a letter from prison encouraging the church to rejoice. And it wasn't just this one time. We find, you know, when he's when he's in prison with Silas, the midnight hour, what is he doing? He's rejoicing. Joy in verb form. He literally has bloody welts all over his body. (laughs) He's rejoicing in the Lord in the midnight hour. Woo! Come on. This is incarnational truth he's speaking. He's not a preacher that would preach what he didn't do. He's saying, hey, church, rejoice. Put joy into verb form. I love that it's a verb because it speaks to action. It speaks to activity. It speaks to participation. This is what a royal priesthood does. We're called to actively participate. Say participate. We're participating. When we come and we worship in church on Sunday nights, we're not, we're not just doing what they tell us to. We're coming to participate. This is the secret. If you want to be the most blessed in church, come to offer something to the Lord. <laughs> because this is why you can't outgive God. This is what Paul's touching on. Here's the secret to joy. Rejoice. Rejoice. Actively participate. This is Charles Spurgeon again. He says, What a gracious God we serve who makes delight to be a duty and who commands us to rejoice. Should we not at once be obedient to such a command as this, It is intended that we should be happy. (laughs) You can't get offended that I just said happy. That's Charles Spurgeon. (laughs) That's what you do when you say things. You quote smart people and you're like, I have to believe that now. We are commanded to rejoice. Paul is commanding us. He's not suggesting it. He's saying, how often? Always. Always. Rejoice, And he says, rejoice in the Lord. Say, in the Lord. So we are called to put joy into active form in the Lord. There's something, rejoicing looks like something. It, it shows up. It, you, it's, it's not just this internal thing. It's joy in verb form in the Lord, right? The word joy, it, it literally means to find pleasure in. It's a pleasurable, emotional experience, Joy, sometimes it looks like laughter, but you know how you can sometimes be crying and it's joyful? It's just joy is, it's pleasure. Delighting is to find pleasure. So Paul's saying, find your pleasure. Learn to delight yourself in the Lord, who is the eternally joyful one. He's the infinitely happy God, there's two aspects of delight that show up a lot in scripture and I just want to speak to them briefly to put a little bit of some form and some practice to what is this rejoicing actually look like All right the first part of this priestly participation in rejoicing would be uh, it would be a sonship dynamic which would be being delighted in say in a son is someone who has been delighted in by the Father. John 15, Jesus, this is radical. He says, just as the Father has loved me, I've loved you. And then he says, just a couple verses later, I say these things so that your joy may be full, and my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. Isaiah 55, it says, come to the river, come to the waters." It's instructing us to drink wine and milk and this and then it says, this is how you do it. You listen. It says, incline your ear and listen. Eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. Part of the aspect, one aspect, the sonship dynamic of our priestly identity is that God wants to dote in us. And it's actually creating space to come and listen that we're nourished with this delight. That The same way that God, think about this. The same way that the Father dotes in Jesus, delights in Jesus, loves Jesus. Jesus says, that's how I love you. It's delight. We get delighted in. And, 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 and that requires participation. You actually have to create space for that. You have to create opportunities. You have to actually learn how to receive. Who's had seasons where the Lord's had to teach you how to receive? You know, have you ever gotten a gift and you don't feel worthy of it, so you don't really enjoy it? Has anybody ever given you a compliment and you're squirming on the inside? That's revealing sonship is not yet formed in you. And when I say sonship, you know, guys are brides, girls are sons. It goes both ways. It's kind of gender dysfunctional language, but you know what I mean. But the inability to receive is just, it's, it's a sign that that identity of son, daughter hasn't been fully matured. And we're all on that journey. And I think there are seasons even of our lives where the Lord is working to, to teach us how to delight ourselves. That rejoicing actually looks like coming and learning to receive from God. Because this is the deal. If you can't receive a compliment from somebody here, I promise you that that shows up. It's hard to receive words from him. So there's this, there's this aspect. There's a sonship dynamic of our priestly identity, and I just wanna give you a a practice that if, if God's wanting to grow you, a practice of rejoicing in your life can look like listening prayer. What does that mean? It means you create space, maybe put soft, gentle music, maybe no music at all, and have a piece of paper and a pen. And listen, come to the waters. if you listened even right now, you'd hear that whisper because just as the father loves Jesus, Jesus loves us and he is not a passive father. He's a very willing communicator. He dotes, dotes and dotes and dotes and dotes. It says that my thoughts towards you are more numerable than the sand on the seashore. It would take a long time to express all those thoughts. So if you get him talking, he won't shut up, I promise. (laughs) But there has to be space to receive. So sonship. If you flip the coin, the other aspect of priest identity is it's bridal, which is learning to delight in. This one's more foreign to much of the body of Christ. That's actually one of the aspects, I think, that the Holy Spirit's really working to disciple into the church at large today. And this applies to women and men. (laughs) We learn to delight in the Lord. There's this song that just came out. You can listen to it. It really captures, I think, the essence of bridal rejoicing, bridal devotion in the Lord. It's that song, uh, Pure, by Abby Gamboa, has anybody, and she sings. There's this line, it's all about you, all about you. The whole, but listen to the song. Just type it in, pure. Listen to it. It's, it's bridal. It, the, the, the whole orientation of the song is a pure offering to Jesus. I would actually, I would argue that you can't even know a place of bridal intimacy with Jesus until you've become a son Or maybe to the degree of your sonship is actually what rests upon to the degree that you can enter into that type of, because you have to have something to give him. So you have to receive. You can't give him a crown unless he first gives you the crown. It's one of those, like, things. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, like, Naomi could give me nothing right now. I have a one-year-old little girl. She could give me nothing except what I give her right now. You know, like if if I gave her an allowance, she could go buy me a gift, but she would not be able to buy a gift on her own. Like she needs my, she needs allowance. She would need money. Not that she's buying things yet. Praise be to God. But you know what I'm saying? We need God to love God. We need God to worship God. And so sonship and learning to be delighted in is actually what fills us with such love that then it starts to overflow, that we start to actually live from a place of love where we can give something pure to Jesus just for him. We could actually come and bless him and worship him with needing nothing in return. Like in the same way that when we touch the most pure aspects of love person to person, like like a mom loving her child in the middle of the night when she's screaming, like there's, We see these pictures through human relationships where we get these glimpses of like, that's love, that's love, that's love. That's what a bridal identity is as we start to touch pure love to him. So we learn to delight. We learn to actually, actually give him pleasure and joy. That's cool. We can move the heart of God we can touch his heart. So a practice, if you want to practice to actually grow in, in this bridal identity, which is a corporate identity that we all carry as the church. We are his bride. We actually have the ability to minister to him. Uh, the practice is praise and worship. That's what it's about. Praise, praise and worship are about him. And the amazing thing, you can't outgive him. So there's the Sonship Bride, Sonship Bride, yeah? You guys are so fired up right now. So delight ourselves in the Lord. There's There's two rhythms of delight. We gotta learn them. We get to learn them. I would encourage you all to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you discipling into me in this season of my life? And then use that. Put practice to it. Practice listening. If he's saying, I'm growing your capacity, and sometimes it'll be a both and because they flow together, but I'm just trying to bring language to help you sort through and perhaps how the Spirit of the Lord is working in you. So Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord. Come to him and listen. Offer yourself. This is Mary of Bethany. This is the bridal picture pouring out a costly fragrance. What did she get out of it? She got to bless him. Woo. What would it smell like in here if we all became Mary of Bethany? Wow. Wow. Oh, It would be like heaven, you guys. It would be like heaven if we all could come together to touch the heart of Jesus. It's holy. So how often do we do this? Always. Paul's command to the church requires a disciplined yes. How do we stay aware of the unchanging, resurrected Lord who daily proclaims to us that his kingdom is at hand? We're to rejoice always. <laughs> and we will not be able to rejoice in the prison cells of life if, it doesn't, if it's not a discipled yes that carries through the mundane and the ordinary. So what we do, crisis reveals character and character is formed in the little things of life over time. This is why Paul says, do it always. Because when you do it always, you always do it. There's a guy named Supraza Sit Holy. He has a book called A Voice in the Night. He is just an incredible man of God from Mozambique. I heard him tell a story one time. He had, a, he had an American preacher with him. They were driving through the middle of Africa. They're, his car broke down. They literally got out of the car, and then it lit on fire. Like, literally, they're in the middle of nowhere. It's burning hot. And, he's, and he said he just put his hand on the American pastor who was, like, freaking out. Like, what are we going to do? And he just said, brother, now... Is a time to rejoice, and he just started <laughs> praising the Lord at the side of the road. <laughs> I was like, "Yes, he got it. He got Philippians four four. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's really hard to be anxious when you're just full of joy. That's a good word, right? We are called to be an inside out people, which means that the more we learn to rejoice in the Lord, and we delight in Him, and we find joy in Him, because you cannot be connected to him and not experience peace and joy because he's the prince of peace and he's the one who says, in my presence is fullness of joy. The more we do this as a lifestyle, the more our lifestyle, we are informed from the inside and then we show up in the circumstances on the outside based on what we're doing on the inside. So if we learn to rejoice in the Lord always, it would be really difficult to show up to difficult circumstances in life with anything but joy. Because Jesus doesn't change. He says, I'm the Lord. I don't change. I'm the exact same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm happy. I just love that. He's not sitting in heaven stressed about American politics. He's like, I'm sitting down. I'm not even standing up. Psalms 2 says he laughs at his enemies. He's like, ha, 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 ha. He's just he's happy. He's a child. Okay. Hey uh, let's wait, you can ask me after. My name is Joshua Hey, not right now, brother. Yeah, well maybe a pastor can come and Yeah, bless you, brother. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. It's okay. Situations like this happen and let's just let peace come and I don't know what's happening, but sometimes we go through hard things and hard stuff happens. So this is where we get to all give grace and just extend love, so I just wanna encourage everybody, no fear, no judgment, peace and love. This is the house of the Lord. This is a fitting verse. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. (laughs) Hallelujah. I, I was reading a commentary this is the word, uh, it, it's a, this is a scholar speaking about this word, gentleness, which also is very, it could be meekness. It says, the word descri- this word describes the heart of a person who will let the Lord fight his battles. It describes a person who is really free to let go of his anxieties and all the things that cause him stress because he knows that the Lord will take up his cause. I love this. I love this. I, I, I actually have never really dove into this particular verse. I feel like we always get in the rejoice in the Lord and then the peace that surpasses understanding. But I think that there's something really on this verse. Paul's saying, let this meek heart, let this gentle spirit be made known to all men. And if you think of the word meekness or humility, like these are, these are, these are synonymous. Matthew 5, blessed are the meek. Sometimes it's translated, blessed are the gentle. This is speaking to the posture of dependence and influenceability, right? John captures Jesus's meekness, Jesus's gentle spirit in all the statements where Jesus is saying things such as, I only do what I see the Father doing. I can do nothing on my own accord, right? You you know what I'm talking about? There's There's like 10 verses where Jesus is disclosing throughout the gospel of John, his state of meekness, his state that I'm only doing what I see God doing. So it's this influenceable posture. It's this posture that says, I'm only going to do what I see God doing. Part of meekness is that the meek, the gentle spirit has an awareness, right? The meek heart really possesses the freedom to know that the Lord is at hand and going to fight their battles. So Jesus is always saying he knew exactly what he was called to do. And then he knew what he was not called to do. That's part of having a meek spirit. And it's powerful. Because think of this this is when the woman gets thrown at his feet. There's a whole mob with a bunch of stones. They're of, they, they are angry and they want an answer. And what does Jesus do? For quite a while, nothing. Because he's meek, he's just kind of like drawing in the sand. They, he, he gets thrown before Pontius Pilate. They're all accusing him. They're trying to get him crucified. But he knew the Father's not asking me to talk right now. Wow. So he, he knew the boundary line of what he was authorized to do and what he was not authorized to do. That's a meek heart. That's a gentle spirit. This is what Paul's talking about. We need to have the the meekness, the gentleness of spirit that we know that we will do everything he's called us to do. But when he has not called us to do, we know that the Lord is at hand and he will step in and fight our battles. Because here's the deal. The yoke of, of Jesus is an easy yoke. Meaning that what he's called us to do the, the, the operating that he's, the things that he's asked us, the tasks, the assignments, the identities, there's peace, there's joy. But then when we overstep, if we're not meek, this is where burnout happens. This is where, this is where anxiety starts to weigh us down. This is where the stresses we're going and then we just get wiped out all of a sudden because we didn't have the meekness to know, no. This is what I'm called to do. This is not what I'm called to do. And here's the thing. The crises of life never give us a break. They don't give us an option. They demand a response. But it's the gentle spirit. It's the meek heart that in the face of it, in the face of the accusations that are gonna lead Jesus to the cross, he says, I'm meek. I'm be silent. Because he trusted this is the Lord's battle, not mine. I, I think that this, this discernment of this line, this of what the Father's called us to do, I think it's one of the greatest places of maturity for any leader, any person. Because it's the overstepping, it's when we transgress and we and we go to fight the battle ourselves. That's when things get they go haywire. So Jesus demonstrated that he had wise stewardship of what he was given authority and responsibility to do, but he also possessed the freedom to let go and trust the Father to step in where he was not supposed to. Some of you need to hear that tonight, that maturity and faith, sometimes it looks like the freedom to let go. To let go. Because the Lord is at hand. And those who let go, they let go, knowing that God, his kingdom is at hand. It's here, it's now. He will step in and fight the battle. Some of you in the, the realm of this finances, who's the provider? Are you carrying the weight of the world? It might be time to step back. Let go. You don't feel like your calling's making it and it's not happening and you need to do more and you just burdened. Maybe it's time to step back and let go. We can let go. We can let go and we can let God because the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. The yoke of Jesus is an easy yoke. Doesn't mean that circumstances are easy. Absolutely not. He leads us into painful and dark and broken places. But his yoke, his companionship is easy because he gives a peace and a joy that are beyond comprehension. If you are if heavy, if you are burdened, if you are, if you are, if it's dark, if it's that you're not in the yoke of Jesus. And I'm loving you and saying this. We have to discern the boundary lines of the Father's will and then have the freedom to relinquish, to let go and let God. Like this is the thing. What God's called you to do, you can do it. I feel like the world, sometimes it gets so busy that we actually think that we can't do it all. Somebody felt like that? I have a baby girl now, I'm married. We have the church, we have overseas, more travel. And sometimes I'm just like, Lord, how do I do this all? It seems like too much. And you know what he answers always? He starts confronting places where I've, over-responsibility, places where fear is saying, no, 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 you have to do that. The Lord's saying, did I ask you to do that? We have to discern, what's that line? Jesus knew this line because he was meek. He walked in the easy yoke. If you walk in the easy yoke, you'll be anxious for nothing. Who wants to live that? Anxious for nothing. But then Paul, he goes further. He says, be anxious for nothing, but then pray about everything with supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. So he starts to now put practicality. This is what the letting go looks like. It looks like when you get the boundary line, you're like, no, 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 but I really care about all this. The Lord says, yeah, you let go. You let me into the circumstances. You let me get in and handle all the details. You pray. You start to make supplication. As I was meditating upon this, I was reminded of Samuel where Hannah goes to the Lord. She has been walking in at least a decade-long story of disappointment and her barrenness that was repeatedly just manifesting in disappointment after disappointment. And every year she would go back to the house of the Lord and it would be a reminder that another year had passed when the desire of her heart had not been fulfilled. And in this moment, after these years, and she's getting ridiculed by her, her husband's other wife, which, woo, let's just glad that that doesn't happen anymore because things would get really, you think there's drama in the church now? Whoo, let me tell you, it would be a drama filled church. We'd have to have like 80 pastors on staff. You know what I'm talking about? Woo! Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But she's there and she's at the house of the Lord and she begins to lament her soul. She begins to make supplication. She she gives her words. She gives her desires, her disappointment, her pain to the point that the priest thinks she's intoxicated because she is making herself known to the Lord. And this is the amazing thing about the story. She leaves in peace being heard by God. Because when we let go, and we stop striving, striving, striving to manipulate our circumstances that we don't have the power to manipulate, and then we start actually going to the one who loves us with an eternal love, who created all the cosmos, and we are heard by God, a shift happens on the inside, and the peace of God enters into us, and we leave changed. It's time to let go and let God and learn to pray and make supplication and request with thanksgiving to the Lord so that the peace of God that surpasses comprehension can come and begin to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. All right, are you ready for this? I know we're going long. I'm just gonna have to go a little long. If the kids start coming in, I get really distracted as a preacher when the kids get really loud. We have the sound out there. So if your kids just get really loud, if you could just take them out and listen, it would just help me because I'm not quite mature enough as a parent where I can drown out kids' voices. Do you know what I'm talking about? So please just have mercy on me. I love you. I love children. I love children. I just can't preach when they're screaming. You know what I'm talking about? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for grace in this place. The peace of God, which surpasses comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I I really feel the Lord on this. I want to talk about what is peace tonight. Because it's different. It's a little different than joy. But it leads to joy. I think that peace is the garden bed that joy springs up within. Okay? Peace. Peace is intertwined with joy, but it's different than joy. If you think about peace, peace is both an objective reality and a subjective experience. Meaning like if two countries are at war and they make a treaty, you would say they found peace. Like peace happened. But then you can also say, I'm experiencing deep peace in my heart. It's like this tranquility and a serenity. You know what I'm talking about? Joy is not like that. Joy is just a subjective experience. You know, two two friends that were mad at each other become friends again. You don't say, wow, joy happened. You say peace, right? So peace, peace is, it's, it's speaking of something happening externally that then also happens internally, and then joy is just this expression of delight on the inside of our hearts, okay? So how do we, how, how does peace go from objective, an objective thing, to a subjective experience? Like, I want to actually mull a little bit on what is peace? What is shalom? That's the Hebrew word, all right? And so to do, to understand peace and shalom, I want to understand what is the objective, like what is shalom? And then what is actually happening to us when the peace of God comes into our hearts and we have this the supreme serenity, okay? So to, to peace is more than just serenity. It's like a living picture that I want to paint for you real quick. And to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to like, think of, who did, is it, is it Michelangelo that did La Pieta? Yes. So I want you to think, this, this is the idea of shalom. If you think of Michelangelo, who, who took one slab of granite, who's seen La Pieta? This is the statue where, where, uh, Mary is holding Jesus as if he had just gotten off the cross and he's He's, he's in her arms. Have you seen this? I, I saw it. I got to see it in the Vatican a few years back, and I've always wanted to see it because I've always been captivated that this, 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 this statue, it has such emotion and depth, and it, it actually like, draws you into it, if you know what I'm talking about. And, and he, he took one slab, and he just, he chiseled it, And this is is the idea of shalom. It would be the moment that he finished the last polish on La Pieta, and he stepped back and looked at his creation. The feeling that he would have had, that's shalom. Everything was perfect. The masterpiece was finished. This is the Hebrew idea of shalom. This is God Creates the heavens and the earth. He creates humanity. He creates everything we know. And it was perfect. Say perfect. perfect. It's perfect. And this is shalom. God then steps back. Says, very good. See how there's such pleasure? There's joy and peace woven into shalom. Okay, sin is the equivalent of taking a hand grenade And sitting it on La Pietà and then watching it blow it to a thousand smithereens. The world that we live in is not shalom filled. It is broken. It is ugly. There's death. There's child cancer. There's slavery. There's abuse. There's manipulation. There is darkness. You don't have, you have to be blind to not see that the world is not shalom. God had to endure the agony of watching his perfect creation just get obliterated again and again and again. And this was the passion that drove Jesus to bankrupt heaven to come to earth. The modern prophet, you might not like this, Mel Gibson, that man is a prophet. When He captures the passion of Jesus. In the passion of the Christ, there's this scene that just, it captures God's passion to restore shalom. And he's he's walking and he falls under the cross. It's this beautiful artistic scene. And the mother Mary runs to comfort her son. And he looks at her through swollen face and blood-stained eyes. And he looks and he says, behold, I'm making all things new. That was the passion of our Christ, to restore all things that were damaged by sin. This was Jesus saying, la pieta will be put together again, and I will make it new. He's crucified on the cross, like what Megan shared, the striped body. But then he's resurrected. And this is what the resurrection was meant to prophesy to the church. That his mutilated, broken, torn, crucified body that was a picture of the damage and destruction of sin, God orients his power and he resurrects Jesus. And Jesus comes and says, look, all things will be redeemed. It's God saying... You may have taken a hand grenade to my creation, but I will have the final word and I will redeem everything. I will restore shalom. That is the passion of our Christ. I will restore shalom to the world. Heaven will come and make all things new through my broken and resurrected body. Come on, now follow me. When the Christian is experiencing the peace of God, what is happening? We are we are experiencing, right? Because there is no peace in this world. Like where is peace on planet Earth? Where is true security? Where? Is it insurance? Is it in your retirement number? What can protect you from, from cancer? What can protect you from, from life? Like, the, there is no security. The world is not peaceful. It's not shalom still. There's only shalom from one place. It's from a resurrected Jesus who, like Macon said, I'm not going to drink this cup until the day when we drink it anew, when the kingdom has fully come. So watch this. When we're now here in the tension of Jesus has been resurrected, but we have not yet seen all things made new, Jesus says, yes, and that's my plan, is to use you to help make all things new. And so what I promise to you is that life's going to be crazy and it's going to be full of pain. It's going to be full of suffering. But I am with you and I will give you the peace of the coming age now. This is why it's a peace that surpasses understanding. We're experiencing the foretaste of what heaven's like now. This is why every time you hear the voice of Jesus, you experience peace. Because he's gifting through his voice the peace of the coming age. And he's saying, let's make it now. This is why, when you experience peace, he'll give you—he'll—he'll you, you, he'll tell you to do something crazy, you know, like give away ten thousand dollars. You're like, oh, I don't have ten thousand dollars, but I feel so much peace right now. I start getting nervous when I feel peace about scary things. You know what I'm talking about? Because the peace is—he's saying, now walk into the storm, but know that you're going to actually bring peace through your obedience. Come on, God is restoring shalom to his people, right? Sin spoiled shalom, but God's gonna make it all new, right? All anxiety and joylessness are derived from the destruction that sin has produced. It's the absence of shalom. And Jesus says, I'm gonna make it new. You've been traumatized, I'm gonna make it new. You've been broken, I'm gonna make you new. You're experiencing the effects of sin, I'm gonna make you new, Just as God restored shalom to Jesus' crucified body, he will restore shalom to everything that has been mutilated by evil. Putting our faith in a resurrected Jesus means that in the midst of a world that is still not at shalom, we know that it will be. And this knowing is evidenced by the peace we've come to know in our hearts. Peace is prophetic in nature. It's the evidence that the coming age of the kingdom is now. And it's beyond our ability to comprehend. Whenever Jesus heals a body, it's a manifestation of shalom. Whenever Jesus reconciles a relationship, it's a manifestation of shalom. He is working to restore shalom. And this is the thing. When he restores shalom, there's often joy. Because peace and joy run together, somebody This is why people say, oh, you know, the charismatics, they do holy laughter. Yes, some people just do it because it's like a soul thing. They just like joining it. But do you know that often when people are manifesting holy laughter and everybody gets in a hustle and they get so offended, it's because Jesus is healing them and bringing shalom. And the only thing they can do is giggle uncontrollably. (laughs) Woo, the peace of God. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard is military. It means the more that we let go, make supplication, learn to rejoice, be filled with peace, it actually guards our minds, guards our hearts, so that what we feast on and meditate is the reality of the coming kingdom and not the messed up dysfunction of our world. We're made to to think, feast, process upon a life, a paradigm of peace. Peace is our inheritance. That's it. Stress, no. Anxiety, no. Fear, no. Do we deal with it? Yes, but we are maturing. Okay, I'm gonna switch gears. Thanks for being patient. We're gonna minister. I believe that, that Jesus is bringing shalom. Uh, we've been, who's here, these testimonies of healing that have been happening in River House? So I'm just going to bring you, like, live. So when I hear this, I say, okay, Lord, you're bringing shalom. We need to steward it. We need to honor it. We need to keep testifying about it. And we need to create more room for you to bring shalom to what's broken. So I'm I'm just going to step out and risk right now. And I'm actually going to have Callie come up. Callie had a healing testimony on Monday night. So actually... So just come up here, Callie. I'm going to have her testify, and then we're just going to go after a few different things, and we're going to create space for Jesus to bring shalom. It's not enough to just talk about it. He wants to do it. All right, so let's just honor this courageous, beautiful young woman of the Lord.
1: Okay, so um, I broke my ankle in early July. Um, I... Rolled it and I broke a piece off my tibia, my ankle bone. And I was in a lot of pain. Like I couldn't put weight on it. Um, I couldn't walk without my boot for that long. I walked with the limp. Um, it was swollen. Like it's just been swollen. Um, so on Monday night, um, I was just like worshiping um, and I heard the Lord say to me, Take off your boot. I was like, oh, because I was on stage, so I was like, oh, like, I don't know. Um, And then, as the Lord said that to me, um, like, three people came and started praying over my ankle, like, at the same time. So I was like, okay, I'm just like trying to receive. I feel this warmth on my ankle, and then I just hear the Lord say, it's done. So it's like, okay. I take off my boot. I wasn't able to, like, do any of this, like, for a month. And, Um, it actually just exposed unbelief I had in my heart for the Lord. Um, Like, I've seen healings before. Um, I knew that the Lord would do that for other people, Um, but it was crazy. Like, that night, I just was, like, processing that, and one of my friends after just said, like, he did that because he delights in me, and that just moved me. So I went on a five-mile hike yesterday. I've been living. I'm good. Yeah.
0: come on no no no, stay up here stay up here stay Stay with me jesus brought shalom and shalom produces Joy. joy come on this is really cool so this is this is what we're gonna do like we have no secret powers but the lord does and we're just gonna steward what he's doing so i'm just bringing you in like pastorally I believe that, I I felt the Lord speak to me today, and he said, I want you every week, he said, I'm gonna be healing people, and I want you to create space as people get healed to testify, and we're gonna do this, like, whether or not there's testimonies, we're gonna do this every week for the next, like I I feel like through the end of the year, we're just gonna continue, because Jesus is bringing redemption. That's who he is. So, so I'm, I'm gonna, I, we're gonna pray. I wanna pray for physical healing, specifically if you have a broken bone. God is just, there's, there's been multiple testimonies now of God healing broken bones. Um, and also, I, I have a sense that the Lord also, there's multiple people today, uh, even before church, that, I, I, that he's gonna, there's gonna be miracles released into people's lives. And specifically, um, I, I felt like this whole thing of letting go, uh, that there's some people who, um, like uh, singleness, uh, there's, there's been a, a striving in your singleness or in your barren. like there's been like, like, like this sense of you've been carrying disappointments or pains. Or maybe it's from a divorce or maybe it's from a mistake you made, but you've been, you feel like you've been perpetually reaping more destruction uh, in your life. And I just have a sense that I have faith in my heart. That the Lord, that it's a Hannah-type moment for some of you to be heard by God and actually let go and make supplication and that the Lord's going to move in. I just believe that Jesus is a redeemer, yes? And he wants to make all things new. So if you need physical healing in your body, I want you to stand up. I'm also going to have Jackie. Jackie, Jackie. We were in, I'm actually gonna share this because I think this, I mean, this, is, this is how we're gonna do it. Um, I'm, we're gonna activate the church. Like I actually think healing wants to flow through the church. And we were, we were at Julian and Katia Adams Church in Boston last week. We were just there, just like sitting in the church, just like you guys. And Jackie felt prompted, she, her wrist started hurting. She felt like she needed to go pray for this guy. Uh, she didn't even know who, she just starts looking, she's like, Lord, there's nobody with a wrist brace on. She goes to this guy who she feels drawn to, she's like, hey, do you have wrist pain? He's like, no. She's like, are you sure? She's, he's like, no. She's like, can I pray for you? She prays for him, he goes home, she got a text yesterday from Katya and said, Uh, He had been in pain for so long, chronic pain for so long, he had forgot he'd lived with chronic pain in his wrist. And immediately when you prayed for him, all the pain left, and he's been healed since you prayed. So... I share that testimony, one, for chronic pain. I want you to stand for healing. And two, because what we're going to do is we're actually, I just want us to pass peace. I'm going to have Callie pray a corporate prayer. But I'm actually going to ask us to be priestly participants right now and pass the peace of Christ to our brothers and sisters. And I specifically have a sense that some of you are probably starting to feel um, like the Lord's coming on you right now. Like you may feel peace. You may feel a tingle in your hands. And all I want you to do is ask the Lord as you're sitting in your seat, everybody, maybe just close your eyes and or you can open your eyes and say, who do you want me to go pray for right now? And you say, this sounds so silly. Faith is a little silly sometimes. You just listen and obey. You just step out and risk. But what we do and what we do together is what the Lord will respond to, amen? All right, so um, if you need physical healing, I want you to, yeah, just, just, you're standing right now, and then I'm gonna have Callie pray, and I just wanna, you all right now, follow the Lord. Whoever you wanna go pray for, and if you don't wanna pray for anybody, that's okay, but I'm just gonna invite the church right now, be priest, go and lay hands of blessing. And I just want you to pray and release peace, just, let's just release peace, just pass the peace
1: thank you lord that you're in the room thank you jehovah rapha the healer i pray that you come into this room and that you you touch people that your peace comes and moves upon people lord i just pray against any unbelief lord i pray that bitterness would be exposed i just ask jesus that you would come you would come and you would move, and that you would heal, because you are the healer. And I pray that it boosts faith in this room, and let testimonies break out, and let it spread across the city, the nation, Lord, and it, and move in even different places. God, I thank you that you are moving in this room. Just boost faith, Lord, peace. in peace. Jesus' name.
0: Yeah, if you have back pain, we just speak to back pain, chronic back pain. I feel like there was somebody that you had a surgery years ago and you've lived with chronic pain in your back from that surgery. I feel like you're a man. I feel like probably had something to do with either athletics or construction. And we just speak healing to that back in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you and we release peace right now in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's just simple prayers. We just say, God, bring shalom. Bring shalom. If you are someone that needs a miracle in your life, you need a miracle in your story. You need like something to to shift. Like you've just been in a pattern you feel like you've been living a pattern of, of brokenness. I just, I want you to come forward. Ministry team, as people come forward and, and you can maybe kneel before the altar, you can stand. I just, I just have faith for miracles tonight. We're gonna ask that Jesus will step into your story and bring a miracle of redemption. That that cup of redemption will be, will be. you'll, you'll just drink it tonight. And the power of the shed blood will make all things new in your story. I feel like for some of you, it's the lingering effects of a divorce. For some of you, it's it's financial injustice. For some of you, it's pain from religious ecosystems and churches that you were in for years that you feel like damaged you and you've almost felt like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to recover what was lost because of those years. I just feel like the Lord, I just feel like this is prophetic for some in this room tonight, that he will buy back what the locusts have eaten and he will lose a sevenfold redemption for what has been stolen from you. So Lord, we just ask for miracles of redemption, God, and we speak a sevenfold redemption, of the Lord as you've been is if if anybody has received physical healing um and if you would you want to you want to testify that you can come up here and tell me and and again if it's something that's you know if if you want to sit on it um I just want you to tell us throughout the week because we're just going to keep testifying what the what the Lord's doing because it's increasing our faith to believe for heaven breaking into this room so we just thank you for what you're doing God We thank you for what you're doing. I I have a sense that for some of you, there's a letting go that's happening tonight, that the Lord is inviting you to let go and let God. And I have a sense that it's, uh, it's being met by peace, that there's, there's a manifestation of peace coming upon some in this room. And if the Lord is really meeting you with peace, I just want to invite you to just to yield to that. If it's if it's, if it's coming forward, if it's just lifting up your hands, if it's kneeling at your seat. But if there's a letting go, if there's a letting go that needs to happen, I'll, I just invite you to the altar to just lay whatever needs to be let go on the altar. For some of you, you've been, you recognize you've been carrying some things that you don't need to carry and you can come and let go and make supplication to the Lord tonight. That you can be heard by God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're a healer, you're a redeemer, you're good, God. I ask, Lord, for the the peace and the joy of the Lord to fill hearts tonight. Lord, to fill hearts, to bring beauty for ashes. Joy for mourning. Praise instead of heaviness. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord is just delighting in some. Some of you this is just to let him delight in you. Let him just delight in you. Let him fill you with his joy. Lord, I thank you that your presence is so full of joy. Some of you need that joy and I just want to invite you to make that request to the Lord. Some of you need to receive joy. Some of you need to rejoice. I just invite you, this is your space. Rejoice in the Lord. If you need to rejoice in the Lord, just thank you, God, that heaven's here. That heaven is here. That you're losing joy, you're gifting peace. You're strengthening, you're strengthening, you're strengthening. I don't know who you are, but I have a sense there's somebody you've been walking through uh, a challenging physical health season. You've lost your strength. You feel really weak. Feel like you've been physically weak. Feel like you've been—I uh, don't know if it's like joint pain or arthritis-related, but then your energy levels have really dropped. Feel like you've gone to doctors. You haven't—you you haven't known what to do. Feel like you're a woman. I Think you're middle-aged. Think you have. Uh, like either dirty blonde or kind of brown hair. And I just feel like the Lord really wants to touch your body. And if that's you, if you'll just come forward, I want to I wanna lay hands on you. I feel like it was triggered by some sort of a crisis.